2: Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, with the title race decided and a ban looming over Manchester City, it's all eyes on the Champions League spots. A long list of suitors, but who will take the UEFA-sanctioned competition to the ball? We will decide. Some wild showings this weekend from a misbehaving goalkeeper and a misbehaving video refereeing system, but Burnley and Palace behaved impeccably to record wins. Are they now safe? Plus, a preview of this weekend's Champions League games. Ronaldo's thousandth appearance and injury ridden, crisis stricken Barcelona move top of La Liga. Still a couple of weeks too to take advantage of my special offer that's only open to you, our loyal AFC Telegraph listener. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined by a bespoke lineup of just two pals this week. The first is JJ Bull.
3: How are you, JJ? I'm good. I've done four live blogs over the weekend. Oh is, they're really does, mentally draining. Does that take out of you two? Two live blogs per Oh yeah. Like, I really love doing them. It's even. really fun when you get to do them and I've always wanted to do it like forever. And then when you do one after the other, your brain doesn't have any room for much else. I've been sure. This
2: well, at least you're in the football frame yeah. of mind. Have you ever done a live blog, Mina Rizuki?
0: No, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm still weaning about this, the news about trans, from transport. For London.
2: Not happy about the change to the speed limit. No,
0: what is that? I just cannot believe. You're, it.
2: you're in a. You're in a tiny number of people I know who drives a car regularly in central London.
0: Yeah, I don't know for me, just as easy. Although today, when I was parking, um, the guy standing outside having a cigarette clapped for me because he said it's so impressive. <laughs> well, such I a good park. park. <laughs> I know because it was really tight and I didn't hit a bumper. So, do you rate you know. your
2: parking highly?
0: I rate my driving highly. Yeah, I right. passed first time round. Yeah,
2: I can't drive a car.
0: Flying points.
2: You know. I can't do it. Really? Yeah, I tried to do it. I, I tried to learn, but I failed the test twice.
0: Twice. And then just stopped, just gave up. My sister failed 15 times. Right,
2: I'm I'm starting again, though. This year I've got a theory test next Friday. So that's a bit... That's a good thread, isn't it, for the audio football club fans? Now, I've got an app, Mina, but if I don't pass the theory test, I'm going to be disappointed. But that's... If
0: you don't pass it, I'm not sure that you should really be able to present this show. (laughs) Wow,
2: (laughs) pressure's on. (laughs) Pressure's on. A good cliffhanger, though. We'll find out how I did in my theory test in three weeks' time. Let's start... The football chat with uh, a section about the race for the Champions League places. I think we can all agree the title race is over. So this is what we've got to get invested in for the rest of the Premier League season. Who's going to get the Champions League places? Uh, where that's going to go down to in the table pending Manchester City's appeal. Um, let's start with Arsenal who were uh, involved in a very entertaining game at the Naming Rights Stadium North London on Sunday. Did you think, JJ, they deserved their win in the
3: end against Everton? Not Really, but also yes. Good answer. <laughs>
0: I like that you covered all your bases.
3: Yeah. Uh, how do I describe this one? I thought Everton were the better team in the, from the start. And then Arsenal made that, cha- that forced change. Kolasinac went off with an injury. We um, looked really dazed when he came off. And then uh, Saka came on and he's been great. God, what a player. And a little, uh, just a small, because like, it's a more aggressive position he takes up on the left. as a left back, so he's pushing up higher and that just changed the game it made Alex and Wobie had to come back to, to follow him he didn't really want to do it so it kept making all those little gaps between the players so they could attack down the left especially and most of their attacks went down the left Arsenal in fact both teams did and they, then they got into it and then um, they, as soon as they took the lead in the second half that little silly goal they let in Everton Arsenal then silly goal that that the one that was made by that beautiful David Louise pass I know, but the start of the second half, you can't be... Oh, sorry, the third goal. The third goal, yeah. The second goal was great. The second goal was,
2: goal was the so David Luiz, what a pass.
3: Oh, yeah, but you can do that. He's yeah, a, he's a yeah. playmaker in defence.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, but then
0: he does all this stuff. Right yeah,
2: tell, anyway. Talk to me about the Arsenal defending on Sunday, Mina. Um, Bad start, wasn't it?
0: It's funny, because I've never been one of those people that really buys into the whole, like, change in personnel. People always tell you, you know, like, as in, oh, they're just not good enough. They're not of the standard, whether it was United or, you know. But I'm always like, oh, I don't know if you have a good system. I feel like, you know, any old rubbish defender can do a a good job. But maybe with Arsenal, it would help if they had a few, uh, you know, changes at the back. I do, I wanted to ask you, do you think that basically Saka showed you that Arteta made a mistake going, starting Kolasinac?
3: Uh, I can. I mean, you put Kalasnitz in because you're more defensively solid in theory, but actually, by making by being more attacking, they were better
0: defensively. defensively.
3: Like the goals were set pieces, right? So the first goal was a free kick that, in the first minute, and the reason they managed to get into that is because Kalasnatch got into a battle with Mina. I don't know why, and was basically dragged about ten yards behind his the rest of his defence. So they were all played on side, so they could go into it. And then David Luiz just bounces off his shoulder. Can't see where the ball is, and suddenly he's got a bicycle kick in his face.
0: But they are they are a little bit reactive in the way that they defend. Obviously, there was like eight acres of space for Iwobi, which you kind of hope that he did he would do a little bit more from that. Um, obviously, the um, the second goal, uh, shocking defending for from a set of fees. Um Ceballos lost Holgate was you know he was too strong. Leno um,
2: Leno fought a bit.
0: No, at fault. But he's just such a good goalkeeper that I'm always like, you know, you're allowed a mistake or two if you if you pull off what he has pulled off. Um, but what I do like about the problem with Arsenal is that their attacking play is so good to watch. Um, especially, I thought it was really good to watch uh, uh, yesterday, uh, and and. Shoring it up defensively will affect that, but it has to be. They have to be better on set pieces. That's just nothing short of a joke. I do how like how they press from the front and especially towards the latter stages. Um, I thought that that was really good. Um,
3: I thought I thought they were playing. They were pretty bad in the second half because they didn't. They were just treating it as though they had the lead, so that was enough. When yeah. they really need to go harder, Gary Neville I think was dead right in Colecom saying how uh, like a great team would finish Everton off. Because Everton are another I'll team... I always
0: say that. I've never seen a great team ever finish off stuff like Real Madrid or or, or Juventus. Mm. They always do the bare minimum.
3: I don't think Arsenal either dropped to defend it to manage it out. They, just, they would get into the final third and then pass backwards. And it's just a weird way of playing that they wanted Everton to open up so they could counter them that was what they really wanted and when when they had the lead they could do it but I always felt like Everton could get back in the game in that second half and they were sort of unfortunate not to
0: yeah yeah but you didn't think that at the end sort of at the very end uh when um Leno had come out and basically like realized that Bellerin couldn't get to it
3: oh yeah that's yeah That was, yeah, that's that good was a, read yeah
0: but also yeah it was a great read but also it was just you felt like they were at least like trying to press from the front they're not always they weren't always creating great chances, but, oh, yeah, but you can press as a, front, a team, they, they looked a lot more it. motivated. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They were winning the ball. and then like, Not uh, doing
0: much with the ball. I was
3: guilty of it, especially. I thought he played quite well, but you take the ball into the final third and look up and then just go backwards. Every pass was going... Two passes were going sideways. I think they need to to, to turn that. Like Man City, based on Arteta having been under Pep, would control games by passing around and just dominating the pitch. But Arsenal were just winning the ball
0: and not uh, doing much with and it, and not
3: doing anything with it. It wasn't like they were, they were in total control of it, and that was that's the problem.
2: Let's talk about Manchester City now. Given you mentioned them, JJ, they beat Leicester one nil in the Saturday evening game. This looked a huge game a few months ago. Mina, is it fair to say the air has gone out of the season a little bit for both of these teams?
0: I actually think Manchester City are. I do think the air's gone out of from them, then and I and I thought their performances have been rather good recently to be honest Um, I do think for Leicester Vardy not scoring is a huge problem and I think that just changes everything for them Um, and you can you can sort of tell like I mean second or third doesn't make a huge difference but when you're not getting the goals that you are and you're creating tons of chances like they are and, and it's not really translating to anything you could sort of understand why this is working out that way but for Manchester City I don't know I mean for me for a while I was like oh this is really poor but now I think that they're going to give Real Madrid a good contest um, I think that the level of their play is, is interesting to watch I wish they knew how to score more penalties but <laughs> I think this is something that it's weird because it's a Manchester thing right United had that too I mean, they they also struggle. Uh, So is it something that's just going on with these two clubs?
2: Yeah, strange, strange phenomenon. in Manchester. nine without a goal now for Jamie Vardy. I'd like to ask you, JJ, do you think Manchester City deserve a second UEFA punishment because of how awful (coughs) their
3: third kit is? I like the third kit. I don't know why you don't. It looks like it tastes tangy. That's true. Sunny
0: D. Okay, so do you remember Barcelona's kit?
3: Yes.
2: From a while ago, because it was
0: also Sunny D. And and cities is yellow and it fades into orange. Yeah. But Barcelona's was orange and faded into yellow. And it's almost an identical kid.
3: I'm not having it. It's far no. too loud. Do you know, Em, um, it's something on Man City that I was just looking into behind-the-scenes scout stats. I didn't realise this is the case, that uh, according to expected goals and expected goals against and their expected points model, which is you can't... It, the points one is particularly difficult to to make really accurate. But City should be top of the league. <laughs> so expected goals. City are basically performing exactly as they should be. They've got 67.7 on XG and they've scored 68 goals. Uh, Liverpool, XG is 53.5 and they've scored 61. So it's an overperformance. The um, expected goals against... Uh, Liverpool are. They've conceded fifteen. Should have conceded about twenty four.
0: When this doesn't happen, when XG isn't sort of playing out the way it's supposed to be, who yeah. gets the credit for that? So, like, if they're overperforming, is it Klopp who's Liverpool getting the credit strikers, for that? Right?
3: Well, it's things like well, strikers is taking it is. chances. Who is, it? is it
0: the strikers? Is it Klopp? Is it who?
3: Well, a little bit so. Great players overperform anyway, yeah. So you'll see like Messi's always above his XG because he it's just brilliant, and Kane's usually above his XG because he's that's what he does. That's what makes him great players. And Liverpool have a lot of those players on the team at once performing right. well. But also you'll have things like. The reputation alone of Liverpool—you know—they're going to score and beat you, so that makes things happen. Little mistakes happen, so the goalkeeper will have a worse game, or a defender will make an error they wouldn't normally make because the fear comes with it.
0: So Manchester City's great players are not overperforming.
3: They're not overperforming, which is they're sort of leveling out. But yeah. if Liverpool weren't overperforming, City would be top. Quite—it's—it's it's, it's not a
2: great moment for XG, is it, to say that like, <laughs> yeah, this Manchester is, is having Manchester City top of the league and Liverpool so far clear. But this is the thing—it's
3: not an exact it, it, science, it, but it's interesting. Of course, it, it is interesting,
2: but I would say that might be ammunition for people who are a little bit skeptical about it as an analytical model what about Manchester United they beat Watford Watford at old Trafford on Sunday uh what do you make of Bruno Fernandez JJ there was a lot of praise for his performance um scored the goal obviously made the penalty got got the penalty
3: awarded and scored the penalty himself have you been impressed with him so far I think he's been I, I, I don't quite get the the fawning over him saying he's changed the world and he's now the best player Manchester United have ever had
0: I didn't like the fact that he was tra- described as like a mix between Veron and and
3: Scholes, yeah. and
0: Scholes and maybe even Messi and Ronaldo huh?
3: uh, I think he's a decent player I think he's I don't think he's top tier I think he's decent and he's definitely improving on what they had and they needed someone who plays that role and is more direct than certain other players like he always shoots when he gets a chance always does that he had a couple of efforts and it wasn't until he started running beyond or joining Attacks in that game that United looked better he did it more in the second half and you saw they were mostly attacking down the left and that's where a lot of the joy came from he was finding like in, in the half space you know. But I think he's finally he scored two assists already he's I
0: liked his games. penalty I thought that, yeah. that was fantastic I thought
3: he dived for it
0: but did you see that little jump sort of at the end
3: it's Jorginho's technique
0: he's um,
3: goalkeepers hate it
0: yeah it, it, I mean it's annoying if I was a keeper but to be honest I think he's a, he's a very good player and what I like about him a not is that he really believes in himself. And you can tell by the way that he plays this game is that he doesn't think that he's below Manchester United or that he needs to work hard to prove himself. Um, he's so happy with like just being there and being able to prove to you that he's totally capable. And he comes across as a little bit weird on the pitch, and I like that. How so? I think it's maybe the penalty that made you think that, but you just kind of get this feeling from him that he just... He's one of those characters that's a bit like I'm going to do this my way. He seems, to,
2: he seemed to be dictating the game to me a little bit, like certainly showing a lot and, and being an option, drifting out wide, like breaking between the lines a little bit,
3: which is perhaps what I've missed a little bit. Someone who's going to—it's a lot of confidence, a bit of arrogance, being confident enough to know you can take the ball and take it, and not being scared of showing for it. I think a lot of times, Man United players hide a bit from the ball or they just stand still a a lot of
0: players in the Premier League to be honest other than the very top teams they're scared of the ball that that might
3: happen after he plays a few games and he tires a little bit or just grows used to it and is not so hyper aware of everything that might come down a wee bit but uh, yeah yeah
2: Yeah. solid enough start what about Chelsea and Spurs two other teams who are hoping for Champions League qualifications a 2-1 victory for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge I don't know about you Mina I felt like this perhaps didn't quite reflect Chelsea's dominance in this game
0: the two 1 I, I i know i think people are really harsh on spurs i know that they're a little bit boring to watch maybe a bit too negative too many long balls uh which is quite irritating to watch but um <sighs> I don't know. With there's, there's something about Chelsea that doesn't fill me with trust every time I watch them. I don't know whether it's the fact that they have Willy Carballero at the back. Um, and they do have like a splendid midfield. I mean, I think Kovacic, um, it, it was nice to see also like Giroud coming back and, and, and everyone playing off him and how much of a great game uh, Mason Mount had. So, yeah, they are a very good team. But it was almost like I don't know whether Spurs contrived to lose it on this occasion but otherwise, I would have. I just felt like if they were a little bit more positive, it would have been just such a a more balanced and fair game. But it was a very strange game in the sense that it, it was almost like, yeah, we're going to be so cautious here. We're going to just, you know, pass it in the lanes that we know we're not going to get robbed off the ball and then be subjected to anything. So even, which I think is bizarre because you can tell that this is a team that was well trained in the sense that there was always an outlet for the pass coming from the back. There were always options to to pass the ball vertically to try to build the game from the back and Spurs never went for it and you're just like why why did you continue throwing this long ball that we saw you do in the Champions League and you failed at it and we're seeing you doing it again against Chelsea who have Capallero at the back and not always the strongest defence you saw as soon as Lamella came on and tried to do something they conceded so it was bizarre for me I, I didn't know how to make out so this is what makes me think like Chelsea's good but they were made to look better than they were
2: how are you feeling about Mourinho at this point, JJ? Have you got any sympathy for him? He's uh, uh, obviously talking a lot about the injuries and um, similar... Poor fella. <laughs> similar subject, but this is an unusually compromised position for Spurs at the moment with so many players out.
3: Um, I mean, to, to reference our our great friend XG, they're, they're a team that have overperformed the last few seasons because their individual players have to for them to do so well. I, I, I've i been saying, I think, on this podcast for like the last two seasons that Spurs are going to level out at some point and it's happened this season. Pochettino lost his job because of it. Mourinho came in, fixed a few problems. I think they would have addressed they would have been solved anyway had Pochettino stayed. What sorts of things? Uh just little things like I how to explain it? Like they're just they were just in a they were in a bad moment mm. and they were all going to come out of it and players were like in a kind of bit of form.
0: So basically a mental thing.
3: Maybe it just happens. Just being, every every team in the Premier League is capable of beating each other and that just happened to happen a few times closer together than Spurs have wanted but you've got like, like he came in with a plan he's fixed some of it and he lost Harry Kane so that changes the way he, is. he can attack and the way he defends because Kane will do different things different players so then he builds that plan around brings him Bergwijn and he loses his son so now he's got to deal with that so he's going up against things that make a big difference I mean you're if you lose your, your two top scorers you're in a bit of trouble and so he went to. A, he tried to match Chelsea's system because his moles told him that <laughs> Chelsea were going to go to, a, to a more of a counter attack kind of setup. They keep leaking goals. They, like, uh, they have they, conceded far more than they should have done, which is I think down to individual error and keeping not being. They,
0: they the weren't really keeper. compact enough between midfield and defence, so they left lots of spaces for Chelsea to. Well,
3: they only had two defending. I don't know. It's, it's, that's always going to happen. I thought they were pretty decent, Chelsea, it's and they, they had
0: so many bodies at the back.
3: And they were at home, and they had to open up a wee bit more. But the like, the way they line up with like a three-four-three three is, I think it's it's a very counter attack system. And you can still see that there's a lot of Conte in that team. Mm-hmm. They can't really get rid of it because the, the players are still there. Spurs aren't fantastic to watch, but they're getting. I mean, he's just trying to make them hard to beat so that they can get through this difficult time. And then he's, I think Mourinho's all right.
0: I feel like Mourinho is the kind of guy that you bring in when there's been a team that has been really special and well trained before him sort of thing and what you get with Mourinho is he gives you extra weapons so whatever weaknesses that, that may be on show for example he you know goes to, to Real Madrid they had Pellegrini before really offensively minded side and he gave them extra weapons made them even better on the counter attack so that it only took 11 seconds for them to counter attack made them even better defensively so that they didn't concede and then that way they could win the big matches then goes to, to Inter was again a very well coached team and then he just gives you extra potential and takes away the weaknesses the problem with this side is that I think they've forgotten what their positives are, and I'm not entirely sure he knows how to bring that out in them.
3: I think you can see it in the player, Spurs players, they don't they don't run forwards enough. It's,
0: this is this thing. And I
3: think rather like, forgetting tactics and whatever, he needs certain characters and he's not had a lot of them in his recent jobs. I wonder if that's just a generational thing players coming through. He doesn't have those kind of dirty, dogged players that he wants doing a lot of the people hard say that, work but look
0: at look at Saka like as in Nketiah and in Saka for example i mean people always talk about leaders and stuff but leaders are made right you go in like and you just see these two guys and i'm like i trust them more than i trust a lot of these other players mm. M- more than i trust honestly Kolasinac, for example you know and so i don't know whether it's just about ten ganga for example you can tell is a player and a half you know and he's got a lot of confidence and he can be made into something but it's almost like I feel like Mourinho's lost his edge in that sense.
3: Uh, maybe I think the problem with Mourinho is that he lost that. It's like a boxer, like a heavyweight boxer, getting knocked out once. Once it's gone, you're something not. You're not invincible anymore. And so you've got to get people on side. And there's no way the players don't know the reputation of Mourinho as being a guy who parks the bus and whatever. Mm. But I mean, he's one of the, he's one of the the greatest managers of all time and the most yeah, successful coaches definitely. of all time. He redefined the way training is coached mm. across the FAs of every country around the world and uh, there's no uh, it might have lost his edge but I mean
0: he's still a good yeah he's
3: still a good coach but then it's different maybe that certain magical percentage of something that he had is slightly it's not shiny anymore you know it's slightly wounded it's like if you drop an iPad you've got a crack on it (laughs) you still watch the movie but it's not quite
2: the same as it used to be if you take it to Mm -hmm. JJ Bull in the Apple store in 2008 he will fix it for you (laughs) Uh, we are going to have to address something else that happened in this game Joel Grove please start the timer the Giovanni Lo Celso non-red card VAR issue on a bad weekend on the whole for VAR I want to know have either of you changed your mind about VAR during this season
3: I still like VAR, I think it's been applied badly and I think the offside rule doesn't work with it I like that it still allows for human error. I think the referee should look more at it, but I think it's decent. I think that people hate change anyway, so or they're scared of it anyway.
0: I think that yeah, I agree. I like it too. I I also think that people have this weird expectations of it. Like, I mean, it's still being controlled by humans, right? but
3: Lascello, it's so upsetting when you see that Celso thing.
0: But but I still don't know if it's a
3: red card. and I've seen it loads of times.
0: Me too. But I, I didn't want to admit that, so I'm so glad Okay,
3: bad. right. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it seems so clear to me. It's the thing. What I like about it is that the referee can still make mistakes, but as long as it's their mistake, I don't mm. mind it.
0: Well, this was the point that they were discussing, for example, um, on, like, it was a few pundits discussing, I think, on the BBC at the time, um, radio, and they were just saying, as in, do you... Man, that's of- all meaner,
2: I'm afraid, but mm. it, we'll never know, we'll never know, we'll have to go to that rival that's broadcaster so to find out. All right, the teams we've discussed in the race for the Champions League, Manchester City, Leicester, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, Spurs, who are getting the three spots below Liverpool?
0: City. Leicester City
2: Manchester City Leicester City <laughs> uh. Big decision
0: Mina Sheffield.
2: Sheffield Wow Wow From from deep I Who think, have you got JJ? I think
3: Liverpool, Liverpool are going to win it and They have already yeah, obviously. Get Man City lesser I think um, Man United Might end up in the top four okay. I can see okay. Chelsea falling away I don't think Tottenham are good enough And Chelsea United will fall away Weird. What
0: about if Giroud starts playing all the time?
1: Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just bring back the old guard. (laughs) Bring back Victor Moses. Hello. Sorry to interrupt your podcast. I just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about another programme from The Telegraph. I'm Ben Riley-Smith, The Daily Telegraph's US editor, and I've spent the last year exploring the scandal over links between Donald Trump and Russia for my new podcast, Crossfire. Crossfire. What I found was an extraordinary untold story that kept coming back to Britain. The big gorilla in the room was, would Trump want to meet Putin?
2: Would
0: Putin then meet Trump? And he said, uh, and in any case, the Russians might use some material that they have on Clinton.
1: This is dangerous. This is really dangerous. I've been tracking down those directly involved, from Washington to Cambridge to Belgravia, to try and find out what really happened and what it can tell us about this year's election. So we're looking at the backdrop of Russia. We're looking at what they might be trying to do for our elections. Over six episodes, I will unpack it all chunk by chunk through the voices of those with direct knowledge. Most people didn't even want to talk to me. I'm a guy getting death threats. I'm a guy whose life has been totally turned upside down.
2: I will tell you this, whoever it was, I hope they get punished for it.
1: That's in Crossfire. Available now, wherever you downloaded this podcast.
2: Let's rattle through the rest of the Premier League now. Quite a fun weekend, I thought. Pepe Reina, one of my players of the weekend, absolutely on one at Southampton, JJ. Do you think sometimes goalkeepers just get a bit bored and start doing odd things in games to keep themselves amused?
3: It's a cliche that it's like drummers are all meant to be a bit nuts, goalkeepers. I like the way when he came up for the the second goal uh, that Southampton scored. You so rarely see those scored on the break from a keeper coming up for a I corner. Know.
2: And did
0: you see him sort of... He, he was like, I'm not going to get there, so I'm not even going to bother.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I also, I mean, the finish is actually really good. It was, I'm strong, it was. I would have missed that. But uh, So Reyna comes up for the corner and the whole point of a keeper going up is you think that they're going to be able to attack the ball in the box and head it. He stands next to the goalkeeper <laughs> to block him. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, you know. Game recognised game. He maybe. stands next to the okay, goalkeeper okay, and then pulls okay. it to the six-yard box. The ball goes away from him and as soon as the ball's gone in, he's like, oh, I'm in trouble now, haven't I?
0: I mean, 11th consecutive On the game. pass for
3: that, for Armstrong as well. The, yeah, the beautiful, beautiful. What a ball, so well-weighted. Mm, nearly as good as Louise's.
0: I do feel like he's got such a character that he's like, I will not be held down in goal.
2: Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> Some very strange decisions. Wolves, we cruelly left them out of our Champions League contenders section. Are they going to make us eat our words, Mina, after a 3-0 victory over doomed Norwich City?
0: It's interesting, actually, because Patrick Cotrone did this interview the other day um, in Italy in which he was just saying that, like, it's so hard to get Nuno e Spiritus Santo to look at anyone other than the men that he's so faithful to. Um, but these men just uh, always do such a great job by him. And so when you look at their performances, when you... I don't want to take too much from this because it's Norwich and you know how I feel about Norwich, but in general...
3: They're pretty rubbish, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's, on a defensive over, level.
0: They're not; they're rubbish, you know. And 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 yeah, but and, and a lot is being said about Jota and all the goals that he scored. But again, it's Norwich and Espanol. You have to consider that both of them are rock bottom in their leagues, you know. So I'm not sure how you take that. But he is obviously a splendid player, and they have splendid players from Jadonke, obviously um, to Jota, to Jimenez, to so many others. Triore, um, but yeah, definitely one of the contenders. But I'm I'm not sure 100 percent that they're going to make it there.
2: What about at Burnley, JJ? An utterly brutal turn of events for the Bournemouth fans who went up there. The VAR-assisted equaliser ruled out uh, and then it was overruled by a penalty happening at the other end to make it 2-0 to Burnley. Uh, I can't really imagine a worse away experience for Bournemouth fans. It's a very long way from Bournemouth to Burnley. How, How could they have been any worse? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, his face was so hard to like, you could just tell that he was gonna cry.
2: <laughs> well, I, I was Eddie gonna how? cry
0: with him, yeah. I felt so bad for them. Yeah, they thought so. they'd gone 1 1, and then yeah. it was 2 0, and he was like, it's a shoulder. And you know, I, you kind of like felt bad for him.
3: It's funny how these games change. Is it, I mean, this is the thing if they'd, you know, if that had been 1 1, then suddenly that's a totally different game, and the way you yeah. play changes, and then Burnley do not win. So mm. we, well this mm. is obvious because that's obviously can't
2: happen I still think nil. Bernie
0: would have won it though
3: yeah the thing House said afterwards about
2: the impact of that psychologically mm. to the players of thinking you've gone ahead only to then be, have your lead doubled against you you can understand why there's yeah. no yeah. real coming back but from that. is a nice player Vidra's Fitcher, nice sometimes
0: He's not. He's he's been. He's been.
2: He's been kind of in and out for about eight years, hasn't he? It's
3: good to see him doing well.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Burnley looking safe eighth now, uh, after very recently being in sort of relegation battle. You could probably say the same for Palace now. I imagine crucial win for them against Newcastle. Burnley and Palace. I feel like that's it for them this season. We're not going to be discussing them much more on this podcast, uh, either the top or the bottom. But we have to. We have to always
0: discuss Lazaro because it's just he's an interesting guy. Sure.
2: Why not? Why not? Anything to say on Burnley or Palace, or should we move on to
3: Europe?
0: I'm, I'm happy that Palace won, to be honest. It's their first win in 2020, sir.
3: So. Yeah. Great bunch. I'm not sure they're completely safe just yet. Okay. All right. Nine well,
0: points from the relegation zone.
3: Yeah, I mean, but it just takes a few uh, the, yeah, uh, yeah. no you
0: yeah, should Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. Hodgson doesn't yeah. get
2: relegated yeah. let's move on to the Champions League and we will split these games up and I'll ask for your verdicts on these uh, the four we've got this week first up JJ Real versus Man City <gasps> the game of the week it's
3: exciting yeah, it is exciting the worst possible opponents that you could have asked for I would have thought why yeah. did you say that? well Real Madrid know how to win the Champions League and these sorts of teams tend to find their way past even if they're not in good form Real, are, they're all right. They lost at the weekend to Levante, wasn't it? What a goal, by the way. Yeah,
0: what a goal. <laughs> what
3: a finish to, <laughs> to win out 1-0. But Real had all the game. They created loads of chances. It wasn't that what they weren't creating either. Uh, the news about that. this one now is that Eden Hazard's fractured his ankle, I think. So yeah, he's out for two night. months. He's uh, It's not really worked for him. They probably could have saved that however much money they spent on him and let his contract run out at poor, Chelsea. I mean,
0: poor, like, they just haven't had any star players, right? Because Gareth Bale is golfing and you know Hazard is just going from fracture to fracture and you're kind of just depending on Karim Benzema to do everything he can with like Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo and whatever.
3: I mean it's not like they don't have any star players I mean they've got a, they've got a lovely team.
0: Going forward not that many if Bale and, and Hazard are not available right like they you don't I mean obviously Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo and that like Isco and stuff they're very good players but they're not Hazard in the Gareth Bale right? well
3: that's it and uh, yeah this is a really, really good chance for City to come away you think they'll try and uh, play it quite safe in the Bernabeu and not they just want to come to you want to get back to Manchester with without having conceded.
2: What about Napoli versus Barcelona? Two grand old European clubs facing off in southern Italy.
0: Oh, that's sweet that you call Napoli a grand. Come on. Um, Come
3: on. (laughs) Have you not been to Naples?
0: Oh,
3: it's not. uh. That Gattuso quote, putting Messi in jail is quite funny. (laughs) I
0: love (laughs) Gattuso, isn't he? So sweet. And when they asked him over the weekend about it, he's like, oh, just leave me in peace. I don't want to think about Barcelona now. I'm so angry about the game. Um obviously Napoli are not the Napoli that we saw against Liverpool Um, they also don't have Ancelotti who is sort of a maestro when it comes to European matches they're finding their way the one thing I can tell you is that Napoli seem to be a better prospect when they don't need to play like Sally's Napoli when they can be a little bit more defensive and sort of indulge in the dirtier side of the game if that makes any sense Uh, when it comes to Barcelona on the road they're not as effective as they are at home Uh, they are of course without Suarez Dembele Sergio Roberto and and now Jordi, and Jordi Alba as well. But we know that Messi is back to scoring. He's obviously you know, the number one target and he'll be playing in San Paolo, uh, which is the home of Maradona, right? So that's going to be quite emotional as well. And he's spoken about that. But I, I, I think it will be tight. He's always suffered against Italian opposition. But I mean, Napoli are, are certainly not a team to really fear at the moment.
2: What about Chelsea? JJ, they're hosting Bayern Munich at Stamford Bridge. Not a terrible time to be playing Bayern Munich.
3: Uh, I think it's a very bad time to play Bayern <laughs> Munich. <laughs> <laughs> is ridiculous, scoring heaps of goals. Müller is the assist king. Müller's
0: um, having the season of his life.
3: Yeah, it, this is a, I think Bayern are just much better than Chelsea. They're just a much better team. And I think because they're so good at counter-attack football and there's little remnants of the Pep era where how they keep the ball and pass it quickly and... Final third stuff. I mean, they've got different players. They don't have Ribery and Robin. It's a different kind of team. It's Gnabry and Müller. Usually, they have in the wide areas. I think that Chelsea would really miss uh, N'Golo Cante for this to break up counters in the middle of the pitch. And they don't really have midfielders that are good at stopping these kind of counter attack teams. Which is they're going to have to play it really, really carefully and not open up. But they're better when they attack, which requires them to open up. So I think the team they're playing. The style, the two styles are going to clash and suit Bayern, and the players uh, Bayern are just better as well.
0: Why wouldn't you just go all out and hack and just try to outscore them?
3: Counterattacks. It's as soon as it's too risky. I mean, if if you could do it, it's the thing. There's all. These, I feel
0: like Rüdiger could do a job in the sense that I'm not sure Bayern can. Sometimes.
3: But you want to stop them at source because as soon as I mean, as soon as you have an overload, the whole point of these things is create overloads, right? And then counterattacks are the best way to do it. You can get four v three as quickly as you can. And the problem with it is it. Lampard could go for a few different systems. He could go super defensive. If it works, he's a genius. If it doesn't, he looks like an idiot. If he goes super attacking, it might work. He'd be like, what a what a masterclass that was. But if they get pulled apart with the counter attack, he looks like an idiot. Yeah, there's there's so true. many different ways you can play it, and mm-hmm. the, the manager's difficult job is gambling on what the right one is and then hoping the players execute it properly. Well, you
0: just hope Noah has the kind of game that he had against Paderborn <laughs> uh, that was
3: yeah. What <laughs> were they? Could have come off of, off the line? To,
2: yeah, to exactly.
0: Like He's like Pepe Reina. No one's going to keep him in the goal.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what about Leon versus Juve Mina, easy win for your boys, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it should be an easy win. Uh, but they are a slow and predictable team that's kind of almost dependent on uh, Ronaldo. But they are a side, obviously, with a lot of individual talent, from Dybala to uh, Ronaldo to Iguain to Pjanic when he feels like it. Um I do like Leon. I think they have a nice balanced team. Rudy Garcia obviously understands Italian football, understands the way that uh Maurizio Sarri and Juventus work separately. Um he has uh, Hussein I I don't know how to say his name, AoR.
3: Yeah, that's why I it as well.
0: And who is just glorious to watch. Um, and Juventus have been dying for him to join their midfield, which would be a wonderful thing for them to happen. For it to happen, but they are a side that you know they continue to lose some of their great talents from Nabil Fakir to Tongin Dombélé and Fellaini Mendy, who've been fantastic. Well, Dombélé less than M- Mendy, let's say, um, who have had a change of coach and everything. But you know, Musa Dembélé up front could be exciting to watch. But you sort of bet on Ronaldo, right?
2: Correct. I think. I think. Juventus will beat (laughs) Lyon. Let's talk now about European football in a domestic sense and have a song for Europe with Mina Rizuki. Games off in Italy because of the coronavirus, but Juve played. Ronaldo scored in his thousandth game in a 2-1 victory over Spal. Aaron Ramsey with the other goal. Mina, how's he getting on?
0: It's an interesting one because when he arrived... Um, the plan was to play him as a trequartista, which is the man in the hole. So it's the man behind the, the forward line, uh, and he sort of p- pleaded with Sadi to put him back in midfield because he doesn't like that role, and he's more of a guy that likes to just be able to break into the box, have more space to do that, and uh, especially uh, your
3: Arsenal was when he played, like sort of ten
0: as a sort of, te- which is yeah. a trequartista. Yeah. He doesn't seem to like to do that for Juve and he keeps mm. asking Sally not to play him in that role. Um, he's like, I want to be part of a three-man midfield. I don't want to play behind like DiBAL and Ronaldo.
3: That must be annoying because when he plays as an eight, he just ends up in the ten space the entire time anyway. <laughs>
0: this is the thing and I and you saw that more last week in the beginning of the match when you're just like, dude, you'll keep going into other people's spaces yeah. so you're not reading the. Eventually he did get better. Um, the big and- difference
3: I think between Harry play and Traditional trekkertista playing would be that your back is to goal normally is Trek so then you bring other people in whereas mm. he likes to run with it which is what he's exactly better Exactly
0: what it is and yeah. he wants that space to sort of just burst into the box and, but you know you're basically running into the spaces that Dybala loves to occupy as well because he is the most creative player there. Ronaldo is not really a winger anymore right so he's also there centrally so then there's just all this congestion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think in midfield he has other things because for some reason Juve's midfield's not scoring any goals this season. It might have to do with the fact that we have Rabiot and Ramsey um, who I've not been that pleased with if I'm honest. Ramsey, I feel sorry for him because it's been a lot of injuries and he's trying to recover his form and a lot of changes at Juve so I'm not going to be too harsh on him. Rabiot I feel like should have been further in his development but it's not really working out. Either way um, I don't know I don't know whether he's going to be there's all these rumours that they'll try to sell him off to United to get Pogba
2: that would be interesting. What about in Spain? We talked about crisis at Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. They're top of La Liga now. Never do we overreact on this podcast. Four goals for <laughs> Lionel Messi uh, and uh, a debut for Martin Braithwaite. Strange signing for Barcelona, but um, he said he won't wash his clothes after he hugged Lionel Messi. He's behaving a little bit like a competition winner, Mina.
0: <laughs> he really is, isn't he? You know, But then he did just come from Leganes, so I mean... And that is a transfer that still really annoys me. But Messi hadn't <laughs> scored in the league since the 19th of January um, in Barcelona's 1-0 victory over Granada. Obviously, scored four, was absolutely fantastic. He's also been in a thrilling assist form, um, delivering assist after assist. What was so sweet about this is Braithwaite had like 20 minutes. And uh, and one of the things he said was that he was so pleased with Messi, always looking to, to play him in, looking for him at the time. And he just felt like it, he... He was so included, uh, despite the fact that he's just come on, and and maybe he thinks that he's some sort of you know like token more than any like an actual Barcelona player, and I wondered whether Messi was nicer to him than he was to Griezmann. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. it was a it was a terrific performance. Uh, Messi shows you exactly why he's Messi, and um, yeah, but you know it's a bar, right?
2: Yeah, Real lost to Levante there, so not all easy going for the bigger sides against the smaller sides.
0: Yeah, but Levante loves to sort of score against the big teams. They also defeated Barcelona um, and uh, and, and obviously Real Madrid. Madrid is suffering in the sense that Hazard's gone off. There is a bit of a psychological fall from that as well because they're starting to worry about the fact that they're not scoring enough goals. Um, But I do think this is what their first loss since October, so I wouldn't be too worried, yeah.
2: Let's not worry too much then about football in general and finish off with this light-hearted question which has been nominated this week by Justin from Cape Town on Twitter who asks, if you could swap two players in the same position from two different teams, who would you choose? Now, I, the way I'm interpreting this is that the object of the game is to make both teams better, or if not, just come up with something that's kind of interesting and enjoyable. And we had a great response on Twitter to this. Matt says, uh, England, he would swap Danny Rose for Bukayo Saka. Uh, Joshua swap Bruno Fernandes and Diego Dallo for Leander Dendonka and Matt Doherty from Wolves so we can edge closer to Nuno's clear dream of an all Portuguese team plus Connor Cody <laughs> I like this from Max Kane and Rashford Spurs could do with a quicker striker proper speedy front three whereas Man United need a complete goal scorer, would be interesting and Dr Brock says Jordan Henderson and Pogba would be interesting in all sorts of ways including complete Twitter meltdown who have you got JJ
3: uh, it's not really following the same sort of rules but I would think it would just be amazing to watch Messi play for Aberdeen <laughs> yes but who's going in the other direction uh, well I'd pitched uh, uh, Niall McGinn and would go the other way yeah, of course an International but mm. then can you imagine it would be really fun to watch him destroy the Scottish League can he do it on a cold Tuesday and not a strand rather well don't, well You wouldn't have to play at Stranraer unless it's in the cup, I suppose. Yes, which which it very well could could be because there's only about eight teams in Scotland. Imagine that. I was going to say I'd think of other great players at the best in the world that would go there, but Van Dyke already did it in Scotland, so I know it works. Yeah, okay, good. Who have you got, Mina?
0: I was going to say it would be nice if we moved Pepe Reina to um, Newcastle and he could fill the box, right? And so then he wouldn't have to... You wouldn't have all this pressure on poor, Wes, uh, on poor Joe Linton to actually try to, you know, score the goals. And instead, you'd just have Pepe Reina making all these darting runs forward.
2: And who's going in the other direction?
0: Well, Dubravka, Dubravka, Dubravka. is a wonderful, wonderful goalkeeper. Yeah. So they're actually winning in that sense, Villa.
2: Good, good. Solid picks. I think so. I think, for me, I'd like to see Kaka oh. go from that Sunday league team he was playing for and swap with someone like Andros Townsend. Because Andrew Townsend would be really, really good at Sunday League. Like, I
0: really and, do like this Pogba that would, that would, Henderson thing, though.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And, you know, at Palace, I'd watch that. and make him fun for the end of the season. <laughs> I Pog, don't... Do you think Pogba Henderson's a goer?
0: Well, I mean, think about it, right? They want a leader who's a bigger leader right now than Jordan Henderson, right? And Pogba could I, let them win all these games in which people defend against them with a the low block. Yeah,
2: possibly. It might happen. It won't happen. If, like me, you are very interested in football but recklessly uninterested in grown-up things like news, politics or share prices, I've got some very good news. As a listener to Audio Football Club, you can now get 50% off the price of a sport-only subscription to the Telegraph, which is going to get you every article published on the Telegraph Sport website from our brilliant team of football writers. You've got JJ Bull, you've got Matt Law, which is more than we had on the podcast today, plus Jamie Carragher, Sam Wallace, Jason Burt. The list goes on. It's just £20 for the year, down from the normal price of £40, and that will even get you the rest of our fantastic sports writing in an Olympic year, no less. Who knows, maybe you'll even end up liking rugby. You have until the 15th of March 2020 to access this special offer. To sign up, head to www.telegraph.co.uk forward slash A-F-C-T or click on the link in the show notes. That's all for this week. You can contact me before next week's show if you like. I'm on Twitter, at Tom with an H, Gibbs. Send us an email too if you fancy. AFC podcast telegraph.co.uk is the address and we'll read out the very best of what you send us. Please don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club. What are you doing if you haven't subscribed? Stopped getting podcasts wrong. Look for Audio Football Club wherever you get your podcasts and take it from there. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon.